white and blue. We like to win in style, we've done it for a while. It's better to aim very high, then our football story will echo with glory. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 6. I'm Jack. It's a um, slightly smaller podcast today. Um, Abbas might be joining later, but I am joined by Javad from the Tottenham Hospital Family Podcast. Hello there. Good to have you back on, mate. Uh, it's been a while, actually, I think, since we've had you on. It has. Um, I, feel, I think it was here earlier in the season, um, after the West Brom. After or before? One of those, around about the time we played West Brom. Um, but uh, yeah, no, good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back on. Um, but how's the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast going? I mean, anybody that's not listened, um, check it out. It's a great show. Java does it. I think. I think you're the first one. Like it's the most recent pod right after a game. Yeah, it comes out pretty we, quick. Uh, it's going well, thanks. We, we 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 tend to record pretty much either the day of a match or the next day. Um, just just because I don't know. I think it's just just been that way from 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 the start. Um, it, it's nice to get it out and uh, yeah yeah great show like I said anybody that's not uh, that's not checked it out please do give it a listen because it's great um, we were just talking off air about what a ridiculous game it was at the weekend but I mean we'll come on to that in a minute but the first question that I put out to everybody today um, sort of off the back of the FA Cup um, because obviously a lot of teams play weaker sides so what I wanted to know was your best and worst youth team players that have gone on to prove you wrong so is there a young player that's come in who you think wow, he looks absolutely incredible and he's actually turned out to be nothing short of average. And vice versa, as the youth team player, you think, what is he all about? We need to ship him out. But actually, he's gone on to be an absolutely unbelievable player. So I put that question out earlier. Um, as usual, there's been brilliant response from all the listeners across Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Um, so I'm just going to read out a bunch of stuff that we've had come in. So um, one of the first ones that we had through was from Mark Walsh. Um, and he mentioned Stephen Corker. And you know what? I'd completely forgotten about Stephen Corker. Um, but he said, Stephen Corker was one that didn't develop for us, unfortunately. Thought we'd go on to greater things other than Liverpool's fifth-choice striker. I m- remember slagging off Kane when he was making his starts in the Europa League. Loved the taste of that particular humble pie. Um, what was your take on Corker? Because he was in sort of in the team, sort of wasn't. He looked all right. It's a pretty yeah. big bit of money we got for him in the end. He had potential, but I think that he made too many high-profile mistakes, and um, you know it's all about chances. And if you don't, if you don't take the chances that you're, that you're given, then um, it's very difficult to to make that breakthrough. Yeah, I quite like Corker. I think I think maybe he was a little bit unlucky. I think if the bid probably wasn't as big as it was, he might have stayed. He was sort of breaking through, but I think he's still is he still at QPR now? It's a difficult one for young players because do you do you fight for a place in the first team, or and and be patient, or do you look at people the same age as you um, and seek a move elsewhere because you're going to get first team football? I was just digressing talking to another youth player. I was reading an article in the Guardian at the weekend about Harry Winks, and that same question was going through his mind whether some of his contemporaries were getting regular football elsewhere, whether he would do that or whether he'd, he'd, he'd stay at Spurs as it was Pochettino made a decision last summer to, to, to not loan him out and keep him part of the first team which um, says a lot about Winks' pedigree Yeah, I mean Winks for me has been probably the revelation of the season I don't think I think you might have thought he might have some starts in the Europa or he might maybe nick some games in the Carling Cup but I didn't think anybody thought he'd, he'd actually going to go on to be a, a useful first team player that's actually coming off the bench most games now a player that Pochettino clearly trusts which is 
mad, really. You think a year ago, most Spurs fans probably, if you said Harry Winks, they'd be like, oh yeah, I think I know who he is. Winks is an interesting one. I, I saw him a few years ago um, in, a, in a youth game um, against United and he looked good then. There was, there's always been talk of him um, breaking through. Last year, he was injured for, for certainly the first part, so he got a few opportunities. I remember reading something, wearing something at the time, about... Um, him playing I think it was either for the under eight England under 18s or under, under 20s team at the time and how he lost his place in the team to a certain midfield maestro at MK Dons mm. who's even now he's, he's well, who we know Deli Ali. Um but he's I saw him at Gillingham earlier this season and I've, I was really impressed with him then but there was it was obviously Gillingham yeah. um, but he, he's, he's come on leaps and bounds yeah you know what what I love so much about Winks is like First off, he's a Spurs fan, and you can see it every time he plays. Like even a, a, a goal that makes the game from three 0 to four 0 he's absolutely buzzing about. But he drives so well with the ball. Like I think honestly, better than anybody else, like, he just gets it. And if there's ten, fifteen yards of space in front of him, he will just sprint into it, and he does it every single. It, it's so effective. There were times at the weekend. We'll come on to the weekend game in a bit, where we were sort of penned in a little bit, and he just got it and ran sixty yards with the ball. And you're so far up the pitch. It's such a useful useful option to have um, he's been a revelation um, other stuff that we've had come in Simon Mitchell friend of the show um, so not all that not all that but turned out good um, so we had Harry Kane Steve Carr Ledley King obviously they were all really good and then some players that didn't turn out quite as well he's put Jonathan Obika Lee Barnard Corker again um, and then worse and just got even worse Simon Dawkins Mark Yates and Thomas Petcart Simon Dawkins, he was about 27 when we sold him. He was one of them that he was a youngster, but he wasn't a youngster. We just sort of had him on the books for absolutely ages. Johnny, was it Johnny Bostock? John Bostock, that's another one. You know what, that's one that's actually come up quite a lot. I put this out on Reddit as well. And uh, Reddit user Maurizio Pochettino, I, I believe that it's actually Maurizio Pochettino. It's not as a fake account, but um, I like to think that Mopo's reading uh, our stuff on Reddit. Mentioned John Bostock, he said, thought he was going to be class, now plays in the French second division. So... I remember being at his debut. I think it was a UEFA Cup game. It was a UEFA Cup game. And he, he was 16, 17 and come on. And everyone was like, wow, this kid looks really, really talented. But I don't know if he had an attitude problem or, or what it was. But it, it didn't work out for him, unfortunately. But that was a player I was really excited about. Um, other stuff that we've had in. Um, John Dalksoy contributes most week. So thanks a lot for that, John. Um, Harry Kane. He was terrible on loan at Norwich. I mean, nobody really thought Kane would go on to... Do what he's done. It's been pretty mad. I think with Kane, um, every time he, the, the, the period of time when he was loaned out at Norwich and Leicester City and, and elsewhere, Millwall, I think as well, possibly. Um, whenever he came, returned back from loans, and this was under must have been um, combination of Redknapp and, and AVB. He didn't look. He, for me, I, I ultimately judge a striker on goals, and he didn't mm. look really pr- pr- uh, prolific. Um, he, I'd read that he was technically very good on the, on the ball. Um, but whenever you saw him come on, you, it, it just didn't look anything like the player yeah. that he. So the, the, the first time that I saw a glimpse of him was um, we played Hull City in a cup tie. Um, Is that the one that Sigurdsson scored? That's AST's favourite goal. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and I think he got an equaliser. Yeah, um, in, in extra. Extra time. Yeah, it was two um, all, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I know the game. And, it, and he showed flashes, I think, in that season under OVB. He showed flashes early on of what he could do, and then, we, well, we know the rest. Um. It's weird because it's almost like 
it, it looks to me like he's slimmed down a lot, which is weird because he went from a 18-year-old in the team where he didn't look very mobile and it looked like if the ball went into feet, or that was pretty much it for him, to this athletic, very lean but also very strong centre forward, rapid, yeah. like deceptively quick. I think like you don't often see people pace him; he'll run away from most defenders. Um, Kane, to be honest, in this question is the main one where nobody predicted it. But there were some other names which come up as well, which were really interesting. Um, Shaq Coolfirst yeah. was another one. He looked to be such a promising young striker when he, when he obviously was much younger. But now he's bounced around between League One and League Two sides. So that's a different strange one because he did quite well for the reserves and the youth team. But I don't know, maybe he's another one that was quite unlucky and just didn't quite get the break in the first team. I never personally saw him, so... I'm not too sure. Um, but some other names, Alex Pritchard, it's probably another one yeah. that was quite unlucky because yeah. um, he'd had that really, really good pre-season with us, um, with the first team, and you thought, oh, he, he's going to get a chance, and he suffered that awful, I think it was a leg-break injury. Yeah, he had a good season um, prior to that, loaned out at Brentford, as I recall. Um, and, yeah, that... that I'm not quite sure what, ha- what happened there um, with with him. I know he had the injury, but um, I sort of expected Pochettino to give him a chance as soon as, as soon as he got loaned out. I think that that's Gerson's. That's Gerson's yeah, time. yeah. I, you think circumstances different? Maybe he would have gone, or maybe be in the first team now. You don't know. No one would have. Lots of no one expected Kane to be where he is today. So you never know what he may or may not have gone on to do. Um, Dorian Dervite. I hadn't heard that name when that got brought up for years. Um, he there was quite a lot of talk around him, and like there was quite a lot of hype that actually like he's going to go on to be like a really good long-term centre back for us. But again, another one. I think he had glimpses in the first team, and everybody quickly realised that he's not quite good enough for us. Uh, so he was moved on. Um, Rowan Ricketts is one that comes to mind. Yeah, um, Rowan Ricketts. Good he one. Was, um, he broke through when Hoddle was manager, and he looked—he looked really promising. And well, did did we did he come through our system, or did we poach him from Arsenal? I have a feeling we poached him from them, but I don't know at what point. I know what I'm not 100 percent sure because we were also talking today um, about Danny Rose because um, obviously he's been with us for a young since a young age, um, but he didn't come through the youth academy. Obviously, he was signed from Leeds. So we were sort of being like, what are the rules if we signed them when they were really young? Do they count? Um, but another interesting one for me was obviously Ledley King, my favourite ever player, one of the best centre-backs we've ever had. Um, his debut for the first team was horrendous. So he come on, for those that don't know the story, he was a, a young player, got on, broke, sort of broke into the first team, was on the bench uh, for a game at Anfield. Um, and he came on when we were 2-0 up, we had injuries, and he came on at left-back. Uh, he had an absolute stinker and we lost the game 3-2 and there was already a bit of speculation about him being like, who the hell is this kid that we've put on? He looks absolutely hopeless. Which is interesting, and I know we'll talk about Wickham in a bit, but Carter Vickers, um, who played at the weekend, he um, a lot of fans in and around me in the stadium and also afterwards was reading on social media, um, people I know, people I don't know, but just, just various comments on social media, criticising Carter Vickers, and he's a young man, and it just goes to show, well, if, if Ledley could bounce that from that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's too early to write somebody off. I always think, like, it's so daunting as a young player just being thrown in as well in a game like right they might have the the technical ability but like for someone like Carter Vickers he was in a real physical game like Akin Venwa is he's not a footballer he's a big unit but most centre-backs most established centre-backs physically are going to find it hard it's just what he didn't quite do 
And it wasn't just his fault, it was the team's fault of how we defended him. Was We weren't clever, we sort of allowed balls to just go into his chest or we allowed him to flick the ball on that. If you put most centre-backs, Akin Fem, a one-foot-one physical challenge, they're going to find out. So I, I feel quite sorry for, for uh, Carter Vickers, to be honest. Um, but you know what, let's move on to Wickham because the game itself was absolutely mad. Um, I was telling Javad off-air... Um, I wasn't due to go. Um, my mum and dad actually went on our season ticket seats for this game. Um, but my nan and granddad have also got season tickets in the North Lower. Uh, and my granddad couldn't make it because he wasn't well on the day. So there a ticket come up for me, free ticket, FA Cup, Wickham. So I thought, yeah, I'll go see the young players, maybe see two or three goals. Um, good way to spend a Saturday afternoon. What I didn't expect was to turn up and to be 2-0 down at half-time. I mean... <laughs> What, what were your emotions at half-time, sat there, Spurs nil, Wickham too, especially after the fact that we knew Wolves had knocked Liverpool out, yeah. all these giant killings were going on, right. what were you thinking? Uh, to be honest, at 2-0, um, obviously it's, it, it's dis- dis- disappointing when you consider the opposition, uh, you know, not being arrogant, but we are Tottenham, we're a Premier League team and, and Wickham are Wickham. Um, it's disappointing, but I, but I felt fairly confident that come the second half, um, you know, would would sort it out. We had the option of um, bringing on Deli Ali and and Musa Dembele, which he did, and also Janssen, which he which he did first and foremost. And I thought we were lacking that focal point up front. Somebody could hold the ball up. Sun isn't a, a centre forward in the conventional sense. So I was confident. And then you know, given the the fact that we we were teaming all down against City the previous week, if we can come back from that, so I was fairly relaxed at that at that point, even though possibly. You could be critical and say, "Well, maybe, how can you see it coming if we've been if we've been a bit poor poor in the first half?" But I, I was fairly relaxed with that, and I, and I was confident that, that, that we would come back. Yeah, I mean, as as we were speaking off earlier, it's probably the I can't think of another game I've been at where we've been two 0 down at half time where I thought this isn't and this isn't. I'm not worried. I'm confident we can come back. I was extremely angry because I was sat there thinking another. All it takes at this point is a stupid bit of defending and it's 3-0 and it's game over so I mean I was angry just at the fact that it had happened but I was still confident in that we'd come back because I'd watched throughout that first half that their defence was all over the place some was getting into really dangerous areas to be honest we should have probably been at least level at half time and really they went forward twice the first goal was a set piece and guys banged a volley in and do you know what I mean that, that was a perfectly good goal the second one is not a great defending and a penalty and all of a sudden you're two down but I was confident. I thought maybe you'll chuck Ali on at half time. I was, I was maybe, I was a little bit surprised that he put Janssen on, um, just because he's not really done too much for us so far. But credit to Janssen, I actually thought he changed the game yeah. because he held the ball, he pinned Wickham back, and he allowed Son to get into some really, really dangerous areas. And to be honest, he ended up being the match winner on the day, Son. Um, but Janssen did great coming on, obviously winning the penalty. But it seems like we've got this. I don't want to say team spirit, but we we hit back in games when you, like you really have to like it reminds me of United under Ferguson where it'd be like if they get one back early they're going to go on and win it and we always seem to score at the really really important time at the minute did it at City a game which you were at where it was sort of like if that goal hadn't gone in the alley one win it did it'd have probably been tough for us to come back but to get that first one early was really key because once it gets to sort of 75 minutes and it's still 2-0 it, it's really really tough for us to come back but I mean, we we get level at two two, and then Wickham they go up the other end and make it three two. And where where were you sat? Were you in the south? I was, I was in the south block thirty four row 
something or another. Full scene. Yeah. Fairly decent view. Um, it's funny because at, at, at two all, I thought we had momentum, and I thought it's only going to be one winner. And I turned around to, to my friend Sam and I said, "We're going to we're going to win this four two And shortly after saying that, we conceded the mm. third goal. Um, my heart did sink a bit at that point. Um, but just coming back to what you said earlier, we've shown time and time again under Maurizio Pochettino, going way back into that very first season. Um, probably after he started to turn things around after that, so that famous defeat at Stoke at home and, um, we, we've we've got this tendency of scoring late goals and coming back yeah. um, that happened that was you know whatever it was 2014-2015 like what's, like what's caused that because I mean we're, we're a fit team now but like it seems like everybody just believes that if we're losing five minutes to go that doesn't matter we're going to get the equalizer and like I've tried to figure out what that is but I mean, I mean, what, what is it? I think it's just a combination of um, having players that have got the mental strength and, and strength strength and character and I think for Pochettino again going back to the, the, this article that I was reading um, the weekend about Winks one of the things that Pochettino looks for in a player as well as being somebody who's really fit is somebody who's mentally strong mm. mentally tough so I think He's got players who have got those attributes, um, and he's he's also helped over time to mould that into them. I don't know behind the scenes whether they work with sports psychologists. I'm, I'm sure they do. I don't know the degree to which they, they do, but that's got to have an impact. And and just experience, because mm-hmm. if you think about it, they are a young group of players, and if they come through experience, certain experiences like the the, the Chelsea game at, um, last season when, when we were two 0 up, and and then um, dropping that lead and, and so forth. Uh, you can adversity. You can, in the face of adversity, you can if, you, if you've got the right um, uh, mental character or sort of strength, then you, you can bounce back from that. Mm. You can learn from it, and I think that that's what's, what's, what's happening. I mean, it's the Spurs' motto: "To dare is to do." Yeah. Almost, isn't it? Um, like I said, I was in. So I was it sat in the North Flower Row Eleven. So I was quite, actually quite near the front. Um, right where the third Wickham goal went in so when that goal went in I genuinely thought my god like it's happened the Wickham fans to be fair were outstanding probably the best set of away fans I've seen this season they went mental when that third goal went in literally there was such a noise um, I don't know if it was a flare or smoke bomb or something like that was going off as well in the away and they, they went absolutely crazy and at that point that I think that was the only point in the game where I was like my god like we, we're probably out here but Again, fair play to the lads coming back. The Delhi Alley goal, absolutely brilliant. Like the composure that he had to just look up, give the keeper the eyes, put it in the corner. Um, and I think as soon as that goal went in, Wickham sort of, that was the, probably the only period in the game where they didn't look to go forward. They were just, at that point, were just going to be like, no, we're defending, we're happy with the draw. Whereas what they did so well in the game was, whilst they didn't get forward that much, they got men forward when they could. Whereas at that point, with seven minutes of added time, they were like, no, no, we're just going to try and hold it. Um, and when that winning goal went in, that was mad. I mean, being sat where you were sat, that must have been incredible. It was, we were just saying this off air, um, at three all, all that was going through my mind was a replay, which I really didn't want to replay. And I was, and I was when, when's the replay going to be? And I sort of figured it out in my head that it would be the a few days before Liverpool away on yeah. the Tuesday or the Wednesday and I sort of resigned myself to that and did all my extra game and then when that fourth goal went in 
just jumping up and down and I've never celebrated a goal quite like that that goal and I've got bruises and cuts <laughs> um, on my legs just from jumping up and down and, and, and yeah and classic cup tie really oh everything that the FA Cup is about I mean there have been so many special games for people which I'm sure most of the listeners have been following other times I mean Lincoln have knocked out Ipswich and Brighton in the last two rounds which is incredible Sutton United obviously beating Leeds Wolves going to Anfield and winning there's been so many scores that you just think that's absolutely mad so there was a stat as well which was out uh, I think the BBC posted it and basically showing all of the teams that have made drastic changes and we were the only team to get through everybody else like Liverpool made nine Leeds made ten Newcastle made eight and obviously all of these teams were crashing out Um, so we were really the only side that played a weak, weaker team if you can call it that and managed to get through so fingers crossed the draw I believe is tonight yeah, um, but so by the time this goes out the draw will, will already be made so fingers crossed for Lincoln at home and then Arsenal to draw Chelsea and the two Manchester clubs to draw but I mean you look at the draw now there's a lot of weaker teams left in and you think you get you get the luck of the draw we could find yourself at Wembley but then on the other hand you could get drawn at Stamford Bridge in the next yeah, round so don't it. it's, it's really really <laughs> difficult isn't it I quite like Wolves away just because it would be a nice away day and I've not been to Molyneux so but it's just purely selfish reasons yeah you know what I, I went up to Wolves a few years ago it was when they were in the Premier League and it was a, it was a night game Wednesday night went up then we lost 1-0 Eunice Cabal made his second debut for us and we were absolutely awful it was, it was horrendous I think Michael Kitely scored for Wolves and they beat us home and away that year. So, Wolves away. Good away day, though, if we get that. So, fingers crossed for the draw. Um, obviously, the Wickham game was absolutely balmy. So, the other question um, was, like, what's the maddest game that you've been to? Because there have been lots over the years, and supporting Spurs, you're never going to be short of crazy games um, throughout the season. So, I mean, there are a few that spring to mind for me. There's the 4-4 against Aston Villa on our 125-year anniversary game, 4-1 down, Martin Yard about to be sacked, dead and buried, and then incredible fight back, and Eunice Cabal rifled one in the top corner in the Paxton. That was a, that was a brilliant game. There's the 4-4 against Arsenal, of course, at the Emirates, which was... I mean, nobody saw that coming. And the 3-2 there as well, not too long ago under Harry when we were two down at half-time and come back and beat them. That was brilliant. Okay, but then... Got the winner. Did that. indeed. Yeah. Did indeed. Um, there have been some other truly ridiculous games at Spurs I think to the 7-4 against Reading where Dave Kitson scored a hat-trick and it was literally I think it was 1-0 at half time that game and in the second half it just went absolutely mad and every single attack ended up going in um, Dan Ward as well um, was talking about the 9-1 game against Wigan which yeah. again you're not going to see that very often but are there any more? I mean they're all the fairly obvious ones Other than this I think in terms of live matches that I've been to this um probably tops it in terms of the, the, a goal right at the last minute um, the only other ones I can think of were West Ham this season and um, the 3-2 um, and getting a late goal and also West Ham season before last and we were, t- we, were t- we were poor we were poor that day and we were 2-0 down and we got a late goal from Danny Rose I think pulled one back maybe it was in the 80th, 80th mm. minute or something like that and then Kane got a we were awarded a penalty right at the very end and by right at the very end I mean it was the 90 something one other minute I'm walking down the steps on the, on the um, in block 35 and and suddenly we get awarded a penalty and, and Kane missed it but I think he followed through the rebound and that was 
but it, it still doesn't compare to um, Saturday was quite quite something. So would you put you'd put that Wigan game in one of the top games you've been to then? That I've been to, but then I haven't been to the the, 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 the yeah. Arsenal games that you mentioned, for example, or, yeah. or the Villa one, which I think I think probably the Villa one is right up there in terms yeah. of drama and given the occasion the 125th anniversary yeah. and, and so forth um, but so the beauty of being a Spurs fan and you're always going to go to games where you think oh this will be a routine 2-0 today all of a sudden you see 11 goals and, and it's gone absolutely mad um, there have been lots down the years games obviously that are not so mad but just brilliant but I remember the AC Milan second leg it was 0-0 on the night but that was that was one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen at the lane um, but like I said that there are always going to be so so many um, we've got a couple of games this week so we've got Sunderland tomorrow night away um, and then we've got Middlesbrough at the weekend so two games against two teams that are well they're both really struggling in the league Sunderland have made a couple of signings today they've brought in Darren Gibson and Brian Oviedo from Everton or if they've not signed them yet they're on the verge of signing for them so they're unusual signings doesn't Moyes sign him when he was at Everton yeah, I can't remember the last time he had a game, Gibson. He just always seems to be injured. They brought Jolien Lescott in last week as well. So, I mean, if that's not signalling your intent to be relegated, signing Jolien yeah. Lescott, then nothing is. So, you go, we're going into it. it. It should be a routine win. However, I mean, no away game in the Premier League is easy. Hopefully, Kane and Toby and Rose are all back in for it. Um, would you make a lot of changes? Would you go back to the team that's been doing really, really well? Or would you sort of rotate a little bit around him when we're playing Middlesbrough at the weekend uh, I think that um, was a, I haven't watched it but there was a press conference earlier and Pochettino indicated that, that those three players would be back and I'd right. played them I'd, I'd go with the same team that that started against City yeah or the same team that started against Wickham minus minus Vertonghen yeah um, I'll be interested as well to see what he does in terms of formation because obviously we were three at the back in City went to the four and it we changed quite a lot against Wickham as well when Trippier went off. Um, Sissoko, I know we were down to 10, but Sissoko sort of played as a right wing back. So it'll be interesting to see what he does if he reverts back to that three centre backs or if he pushes Darwin to midfield. That'll be, um, that'll be interesting to see. But I'm confident going into the game. I mean, Sunderland are really struggling. Um, so I'm confident we'll go up there. I think they'll probably score. We've looked a little bit shaky at the back. So I mean, I'll probably go for a 3 1. Um, to score? He's got to, isn't he? He's got to. Um, I, when I was recording the Top Monster Family podcast la- last night, we were, we were going through this game, and I mentioned Defoe, and I and I hope I haven't. I said it last night. Okay, now I hope I don't. These are the words don't come back and haunt me. Um, I don't think he scored against us in a Sunderland shirt. I know at Pompey he did, but I don't think since we sold him the second time round, he scored against sure. us yet. And I've got a feeling he might put the ball in the back of the net and it's offside, which is what I'm hoping yeah. he'll do tomorrow. It's all like it must be quite strange because whenever he comes back to Spurs, like I mean, he's a club legend. Everyone absolutely loves him. He's scored an incredible amount of goals for us. I mean, I don't think I've seen a rival player get such a great reception when they come back to play against Spurs. It must be really strange for him because normally, like he goes to West Ham and he gets abused and it normally pumps him up and he scores. Same at Arsenal, he's ex-Spurs and Chelsea. But he comes back to the lane and everyone's... It's almost like he doesn't want to score at the lane because he feels bad. Um, but I'm sure now we've said this, he'll, he'll bang a couple in for them tomorrow night. But I mean, what's your prediction for the game? Um, I'm going up um, for my sins, which um, 
uh, I've got half day and then I'm going back at work the next morning I don't know how I'm going to do that <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get back on the charter train at King's Cross at 3.30 in the morning um, <sighs> so um, yeah I'm going to have to anyway 3-0 um, I think I, I, I really do think we can go there um, I think it's going to be shades of around about the same time last season we played Norwich relegated yeah. away from home I think we won that 3-0 yeah. and I've got, I've got a feeling that we're going to put in a similar performance have you been up to Sunderland before? Once uh, the Brian Mason goal. Uh, was oh, was it? That one last the same time. And actually, for anybody that wasn't at the cup game at the weekend, Mickey Hazard was on the pitch at half time um, and come on and gave an update on Ryan Mason. Uh, said that he was going to visit him what, it, what, what, with what will be today. Um, obviously, to go and check on how he is and all of that. Uh, and he told us a little bit like how he's doing and all that. And he was saying that he comes and goes. Like sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not in terms of his mental state and that. And that there's quite a long road to recovery ahead. To be honest, probably a longer road than most people would thought. I think a lot of people, when they heard he was stable, thought he'll be fine. But actually, it, it does seem really serious still. So, obviously, we, we put out a tribute to him the last couple of weeks. Obviously, our thoughts are still with Ryan uh, and with his friends and family. But fingers crossed that, um, yeah, he gets better soon. But Mickey Hazard, like I said, was on the pitch half-time. Talked about him because he was his coach from a young age. So, he's got quite a, a, a strong connection with Ryan and his family. Uh, and there was a brilliant tribute where Mickey got his phone out and uh, filmed the whole stadium and everyone was, was chanting, Ryan Mason is one of our own. Uh, brilliant, brilliant video. Um, it's, it's all over social media. If you don't follow Mickey on Twitter, he's, he's a good follow regardless of that anyway. Um, but he posted that and that was brilliant. Like I think that's what makes not only Spurs but football so good that you get that unity and like all the Wickham fans were up cheering and chanting his name as well. And like With all of the, the hatred and all that that there is in football, when something like uh, it's a shame that a negative has to happen to bring everyone together but when it does happen there's just there's just something about it it just yeah. sort of gives you that, that feeling it reminds it's not the same but it reminds me a bit of a Fabrice Maramba incident yeah. not so much the incident but our fans um, on that on that day uh, and since and, and being supportive so yeah it, it's, it's nice to see that there's a lot of negative stuff um, about football sometimes that, that, that crops up, yeah. um, so it's nice um, when there's something positive. Yeah, um, I have been up to Sunderland as well actually, I'd completely forgotten that. I went up there when we had Harry and we were in, we first got Harry so we were fighting for our lives down the bottom of the table and uh, it was me, my dad, my brother and my uncle went up, so it was a family trip up there um, and we drove, three o'clock kickoff, so we were on the road at about six in the morning, drove all the way up there. Um, within two minutes we were a goal down so that was good but we fought back and drew one or Robbie Keane scored in injury time so uh, it was all worth it in the end for that that was when they had Ricky Sprazier was their interim manager it was going back going back quite a few years um, but nice and confident going into that game tomorrow night and then we've got Middlesbrough at the weekend so again it's a similar team scrapping for their lives they're really struggling to score goals so you'd, you'd probably think they'll suit us because they tend to sit back in a lot of games so we should be able to get our wing backs forward and attack them and be quite aggressive they do have a few threats obviously Negredo up front he's not the player he was but he's still useful in front of goal and they've got Traore as well who's the winger the former Barcelona youngster who is rapid he looks like a rugby player as well he gets on the ball and you'll do well to knock him off it um but again, I think that should be a routine win as well. A couple of goals to nil. Should be, and um, as you said, the key thing was what you said about the wing backs. I think that the width that Rose and Walker, even when we played with a four, they push up. But I think 
that system gives them even more license to not worry about what's behind yeah. them, even though they've got great engine and they can get back. And I think that width has enabled us to break down teams, particularly at home, when they yeah. when they come and park the bus. And this season, White Hart Lane has been such a fortress, so I don't really envisage anything other than three points. Yeah. Would you take Would you take anything less than six points this week? And if um, I offered you four, would you take it? I think no. That's the, if, if the correct take, answer. If we, take, if, if, we, if, if we get anything less than um, any aspirations that we've got of winning the title, um, we can uh, honestly say we can, we can forget about, really. I think these games are so, so important right? because historically, these are the games where we would take four points. Um, so you, if you win both, and as well, there's some bigger games going on around us as well in the next couple of games Chelsea playing Liverpool. Um, which is going to be a pretty tasty game. So again, if we can pick up six points, you're yeah. gaining more on either of them. Even if, if Chelsea go on to win, fine. We're gaining three on Liverpool again, which would obviously be really good. But I think we'll win both games this week. I think it should be fairly straightforward. But going back to what, to you, what you were saying about Wild Lane being a fortress, I saw something we've won 12 of our last 14 at home, all competitions, which is... And the other two have been draws. I mean, we haven't lost at home all season. Endless, yeah. yeah, I mean, and how fitting would that be last season at the lane to go the whole year unbeaten? That that would be it would be the best tribute. But um, part of me is concerned because everybody keeps saying it, and and I've just said it. <laughs> you said it, and it's all concern, concerns me that we might get a little bit too cocky. Um, I, I hope we just go about and do our thing, which is what we've been doing this season. And then yeah. come the end of the season, if we then look back and say, "Wow, we we went the whole season unbeaten and we won." all but two games yeah. at the moment that would be fantastic and we start to sort of think along those lines and you know, over the course of the season then you start to worry is there the worry as well um, the start of the season we had that unbeaten run and we were all, all everyone was going about we're unbeaten we're unbeaten but we weren't winning many games if we get to a point where there's five home games to go or even less than that three or four and it's like we're unbeaten that there'll be a tendency for us to just stay unbeaten and we might not necessarily be as adventurous in games or is that a myth and that's something we're not worried we don't need to be worried about I think we're in the I think the difference between the beginning of the season and now we're in the business end of the season Um, I think you can you can afford to I know some of our fan base look back at those draws in sort of October November after that City game and, and are quite critical I think you're going to drop points over the course of the season you're going to draw matches the unfortunate thing about that sequence of um, games was exactly that there was, it was a sequence of games straight after if, if it had been if you'd drawn I don't know against Leicester in October and then drawn against West Brom in in April it yeah. wouldn't have it was just fat those games were, 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 were next to each other and it coincided with Toby being out and Kane being out and, and all of that um, and Chelsea being on that yeah. mad run as well so they sort of capitalised really on a lot of teams dropping points didn't I think they? We, I think what we did then was aside from the Champions League um, form which was poor I think in the league we weathered the storm we got wins even without Kane um, certainly early on Sun against City and against Borough away and yeah we drew a few but we, we still were in the mix and now we've got we started to get everybody back we've lost Jan but getting everybody back and now we, sh- we, we you know we just sh- we showed it in the last what six months six, yeah. six on six on the spin or if we've drawn against City now we just need to put another run together yeah. and I think we will in the business end of the season and what you're saying about Vertonghen as well there's talk of him being back in three four weeks as well because like, he's, he's already been out for a few um, he's not missed 
really any massive games yet. Obviously, not having him for Liverpool's a shame, but I mean, if he's back in four weeks, that is an absolutely massive boost for us. Bearing in mind we've got Europa League, FA yeah. Cup, and the Premier League, there's there's so many games coming thick and fast. I, mean, I think we sort of resigned ourselves initially that he would be back beginning of April which would have been the sort of same time frame as last season when he went out in January and came back if he comes back what what are we end of Jan now let's just say end of February we've got Stoke let's say beginning of March mm. that that would be pretty good that would be a huge boost for us so fingers crossed there um, and Lamella as well obviously he's been out of it for quite he's been out for quite a few months and nobody's really been too sure what's going on there's a bit of speculation that he was asked to leave but obviously he came out on social media and was like no no I'm just back in Rome getting treatment can't wait to get back on the pitch um, he's been back in training so that'd be great for him to just even be involved at some point this week if it's not tomorrow night and at the weekend that'd be great because he'd be a weapon off the bench I mean I don't Absolutely. think he's going to start at the moment but off the bench I think in a game where we go with win backs let's say it's Middlesbrough we're struggling to break it down to then be able to go to a flat four bring Lamella on that would be great for us player feature time now um, so we're actually talking today about a player whose birthday it is um, so born on 30th of Jan but in 1981 Peter Crouch uh, in Macclesfield Cheshire um, interestingly so I was doing a bit of research on was like his early life and life of football and a kid he spent three years as a child living in Singapore which I, I had didn't know absolutely no idea of about um, his family moved out due to his dad's work, uh, which was really interesting. Uh, I had no idea that Crouchy lived out there, so that, that, was, a, that was a new one for me. Um, and also, as a kid, he supported Chelsea, which I didn't know. So when his family moved back, uh, he was actually ball boy at Stamford Bridge for a couple of years. So again, that was a, that was a new one on me. I had no I idea about some, that. Some link with Man City, well, that, was that his mum? Because only because I remember when we played them, um, well, t- uh, for that. Champions League place yeah, and he scored and then the following season he scored again but at the other end yeah. I think the first game um, I'm, I'm sure he made reference to the fact that his parents were well I suppose if they're from Macclesfield maybe City, I don't know maybe they were yeah maybe they were City yeah. fans <laughs> um, his footballing career did begin at Spurs uh, a lot of Spurs fans obviously know that he was there as a trainee and he did actually sign a professional deal with the club having played for the youth team but he was sold to QPR, uh, that was in July 2000, uh, for £60,000. Uh, went on to score 10 goals in his first season at QPR, which is a pretty good return for a youngster. But they were unfortunately relegated to the second division. Uh, and because of that, they had to sell quite a lot of their key players, uh, Crouch being one of them, and they sold him for £1.5 million to Portsmouth. Uh, that was in the 2001-2002 season. And he scored 18 goals in 37 starts, so pretty prolific one in two, really starting uh, which is pretty good for Crouch um, he then moved on again uh, 2002 so signed for Aston Villa uh, this time the fee was £5 million scored on his debut against Newcastle got the equaliser um, but struggled to hold down a regular place in the 2002-2003 season he made 18 appearances without scoring so that was a pretty big drought for Crouchy um, and off the back of that was loaned to Norwich um, was quite a key player for them actually scored four goals and helped them to promotion um, so there was a good little uh, short spell in Norwich for him there um, but Villa decided to cash in on him and they sold him to Southampton uh, for £2.5 million shortly after um, and he was initially signed as a backup striker or a third choice striker to uh, BT and Phillips who Southampton had at the time which was a pretty pretty good partnership down there um, 
but he performed really well for them and his fine form led to actually his first England call-up. Uh, he was in the first team a lot for them, um, but they were relegated in that same season. He did score some important goals, which looked like they were going to keep Southampton up, but they were relegated that season. Obviously, then there were questions raised about his future and where he'd go. Um, and that was when Liverpool came in for him. So he signed for Liverpool for £7 million. That was on a four-year deal. Um, but he really struggled, so there was extreme media scrutiny at the start uh, because he went on a pretty big goal drought in his first few months. So 19 games without a goal. Uh, and then finally got the goal. It was against Wigan. Um, he scored. He sort of scored two in that game. The first one, which ended the drought, later went down as an own goal. Um, but he scored a second in that game anyway, so that did end the drought. Um, and he went on to make 85 appearances for them in the three years he was there. Um, famous bicycle kicks as well, which he scored at Liverpool down the cop end, which I think he says is one of the best goals he scored. Um, Definitely the best at that point in his career. But he returned to Portsmouth in 2008. That was for £11 million, £9 million up front and £2 million in add-ons. Playing up front with Jermaine Defoe, formed a pretty strong partnership. Um, I remember them causing us a few issues when we played them and it was them two up front, little and large. Um, those two were great, great for Portsmouth. Um, but obviously come back to Spurs in 2009 for £10 million. There were some reservations from some supporters when we brought him in about the style of football it meant, but... He actually went on to be a really important player for us in the time he was there. Again, we had we brought Defoe in as well, had a good partnership. Van der Vaart, them two up front, that was a really, really good partnership. Um, actually, he went on to score some really key goals for us. So there was the goal that you mentioned at City, the 1-0, the fourth place playoff game. So that's the first time we got fourth in the Premier League, which is obviously massive for us. Got a hat-trick in the Champions League against Young Boys. We'd obviously had a disastrous first qualification leg and lost 3-2, come back and destroyed them at home and Crouch got a hat-trick. He was brilliant in that Champions League season, got the winner in the 1-0 win in the San Siro as well, which for any modern-day Spurs fan will be one of the greatest nights that you'll see. Infamously was sent off against Real Madrid in the 4-0 away leg as well. Um, I remember him coming back. Stoke? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, he come back as a Stoke player and we were chanting at him um, in, in the San Siro 1-0. This is when he was warming up and he was loving it and then we quickly turned to in the burn about 10 men, which uh, he did he did laugh at, which is quite funny. Um, he's currently at Stoke, um, playing up front for them, back in the team recently as well and one goal away from being a member of the Premier League 100 club. So hopefully he gets that this week, that would be great. But that's Peter Crouch's birthday today as well. Um I love Crouchy. I mean, when we signed him, I was a little bit, I'm not sure, I don't know what that's all about, but he was great. He scored big goals. He was quite a good player. He was quite an entertaining player to watch as well because he didn't, he wasn't just a massive bloke up front. Like He could play, he could score different types of goals. I quite liked him. What, what I, were your I, thoughts? I, I really, I, I, I had, um, when we signed him, I was quite happy because we had Defoe and they had a proven partnership at, um, at Portsmouth. So I was glad that, that, that we him in. Actually, a bit disappointed that we sold him because I still thought at the time he could he could have done a job for us. Um, so his goal also at Stoke for, for Stoke against um, was it Man City? That was yeah. that was something special. Yeah, he's, 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 to be fair to him, his whole career, wherever he's played, he's always scored goals, he's always been consistent, he's never been a player that's relied on strength or pace, so it's not something that he's lost with age, um, he's, st- he's still getting the goals now at Stoke, and he's what, 34, 35, he's still proving that he can do it, um, brilliant record for England as well, 
his, his England goalscoring record was, was so, so good. Obviously, everyone remembers the famous robot celebration as well. Um, and didn't he miss a penalty for England on a hat-trick? And he dinked, it, Jamaica? he dinked it over the bar. Yeah. I can't I'm remember who's against. Wonder, 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 I think it might have been Jamaica. Why have I got Jamaica in my head? I think... Because we played Trinidad and Tobago in that World Cup. And I think one of the warm-up games was against Jamaica... Google it to us. Yeah, I remember. I, I just remember being on a hatch and coming up for that penalty and just thinking, come on, just put a bit of pace in the crowd. You don't know anything stupid. And he dinked it over the bar. Um, but I really liked him. Great player for us. Um, I was also hoping today to be able to share um, into with the Spurs ladies because I was due to go down there yesterday on Sunday to watch them against Cardiff. Um, I was going to interview Josie Green uh, of the Spurs ladies but unfortunately the game was called off so it was an unplayable pitch which was uh, yeah, frustrating but we're rescheduling it for a few weeks time they've got another home game in a couple of weeks so um, we will still have something to share with you in the next couple of weeks but unfortunately not quite yet so the good thing is it gives us plenty of much more time for any other questions or anything like that to get sent in so if there is anything specific you want to hear from Josie or, or any, anything about the Spurs ladies get in touch and you, have, you've spoken to them have you spoken um, uh, yeah I mean about 18 months ago we started on the, on the, on the family podcast we, we, we started covering um, the Spurs ladies simply because there was very little coverage at the time um, and so we, we, we do a weekly um, one of my colleagues on, on, on the podcast, um, Rebecca Braddock, um, she does a, uh, a weekly um, like roundup of their games and so forth. Um, we spoke to them. We went to Hotspur away twice last season and met with the skipper, Janice Galacci, and also on another occasion, um, goalkeeper um, Tony Ann Wayne and uh, coach Karen Hills. Um, and that was on the back of them reaching the Ryman's Cup final. Yeah. Um, so, um, I've been to. Uh, if you, I don't know if you've been to a. You know, what, I've not been. That was going. That was due to be my first game. I've been to a couple of. I, I went to both the. They played in the Ramis Cup final against Charlton, and then one of the other cup finals, which, embarrassingly, I can't remember which which, which one it was. But, but they also played Ch- Ch- the first one, Ramis Cup final. They beat Charlton on, on penalties, and then the second occasion, which was about a month later, was also against Charlton, and they lost that. Um, but it was it was the first time that I'd been to a women's um, uh, football match, and yeah, it was interesting. Um, circumstances were, were very different. Obviously, playing at Ch- Chesson, um, very sort of old school, traditional yeah. type football ground, um, but technically very good. I mean, you can't compare the men's game and the women's game. It, it, it's different. Yet <laughs> there were. I'll tell you one thing about it the, 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 the match that Spurs won against um, Charlton in, in, in extra, after extra time and penalties um, it was very Spursy yeah. um, both in terms of we're not allowed to say that anymore <laughs> both in terms of putting it through the mill um, but also to some degree the way they played and it'd be interesting if you get to game whether you think the same it was very much in the sort of Pochettino high press manner but that was anyway. great yeah, looking forward to. Like I said looking forward to getting down and watching the game the next couple of weeks and, and getting that interview back in and sharing that with everyone. Um, I don't think Abbas is coming. He, he he claims to be working, but he sits at his desk on Facebook a lot of the times. So he's probably upstairs doing that. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, Javad, it's been great having you on. Um, 
any listeners that don't currently listen to Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast, podcast, please do go on, give it a listen, subscribe. It's a great show and it, it's, like we said earlier, the quickest one that comes out. So if you've been to a game and you're frustrated, you can, you can always hear that back or if, there's, if we're really happy because there's been a great win or a great fight back, you, they, they always come across in the podcast. So it's really good. Give it a listen. Um, fingers crossed for this week. Hopefully we can take six points. Hopefully there's a good cup draw tonight. Um, but whatever happens, remember the future's bright, the future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Gaza's top free kick at Wembley, Aussie's knees have gone all trembly, and a Tim requires assembly, Danny Montlower. Local boy Ledley King, Greavesy scoring everything. Glenn Hoddle, Chrissy Waddle, Lee Young Pyo. Casey Keller, USA, Woodgate is not fit to play. Ramatini, Kudachini, Freddie Canute. Gary Mabbitt in Chillin. Sergi Rembrandt for the win. Run for me, Nick on me, 4 3 Stout Terry. Heroes in white and blue. We've all loved you since 1882 Even when I'm feeling grey Despite the tears and pain I go to White Hart Lane Lineker playing fair Modric here there everywhere Pat Jennings luscious hair Super Vertonghen And Liachenko number 9 Nine from the halfway line Villa's running 81 Under Twin Towers Transfer steals. Harry Redknapp steals on wheels. Legend Steve Perryman, MBE. Hugo Loris, clean sheet. Ball at Stefan Dalmatti. I'm playing out White Hart Lane, Nicola Bertie. Heroes in white and blue. This one's for Billy Nick, his football did the trick. He showed the world what Spurs could do. The League and Cup we won in 1961. Aaron Lennon's lime green shoes Gareth Bailey used to lose Alan Hart and Wheel knew his passport said to Spain Berbatov turn and strop Hartsey saving from the spot Beat Chelsea at Wembley we lifted the League Cup Maradona is a spur We're the football connoisseurs Chaz and Dave's Cockney raised Chirpy the Cockerel Mendes shoots from halfway. Carol Pumbling the same. Clattenburg doesn't give the goal. Abizela's work of art. Tricky Rafa van der Vaart. He's got no head, but we don't care. Martin, Martin, yo. Lily White's from White Hart Lane. Red so Ziegler sounded just like Ziegler. Getting to the grounds of pain. Getting nasty blisters down the Seven Sisters Teddy into equalise Ginger Pele in disguise People speak of the technique that Jason Dozel lacked Jamie Redknapp on TV We love Alan Mullery Raziak, don't come back And Asimovic Crenshaw substitution Tom Hardlister's distribution Jermaine Defoe, he's Cisco He's linguistic skills Scott Parker could not try harder Danny Rose is 30 yarder Darren Bent's headed wide Sandra could have scored that Heroes in blue and white We sold Sakura and we dropped Zamora Spurs make my dark days bright But it makes me sad The Steger was so bad Robbie Keane in the box Edgar David Dreadlocks, the 
Palacios, Stripey Socks, Everson Hattrick, Dave Mackay picking fights, European Glory Knights, Terry Dyson go on my son, Cliff Jones on the wing. Dean Richards, John White, Legendary Lily White, How dare S for Two dare is to do. Clive Allen, Paul Allen, Joe Allen, Les Allen, Rory Allen, Russell Allen, Alan Gilsey. Lily White from White on Lane. Kazuyuki Soda, Bentley's free kick over. We treat Judas with disdain. His transfer was a farce, so shove him up your ass. Liam Walker's page three go. Gus Boyer, free kick go. Gomez made super saves, he can shake my wife. Edrington loved the cookies. Andy Reid loved the cookies. Star Wars music and some Wookiees right before the game. Heroes in blue and white. When I feel depressed, in got Janola undressed. Point won't give up the fight. Bullfrogs never quits, you can be sure of it Robinson's long shot, AVB's deep spot David Howe's on the prowl in the FA Cup Andy Sinton's England call, Michael Brown starts a brawl Peter Crouch, eight foot tall, Jürgen Klinsmann's dive Arsene Wenger's dodgy vision, Howard Webb's bad decision Raman Vega playing Sega, Sandro's kung fu kick Eric Torfell looking swell Espen Barson Leonard and Smith and Shivers bound to score Give me more and more and more Heroes in white and blue We like to win style We've done it for a while It's better to rain playing high Then our football story will echo with glory Lily White and White are lame If the budget allows The anchor will be ours Thanks Dave Henson 44 if he were here, we'd buy the boy a beer Heroes in white and blue This one's for Billy Nick, his football did the trick He showed the world what's for us to do The League Cup we won in 1961 Heroes in white and blue We've all loved you since 1882 Even when I'm feeling grey Despite the tears and pain, I go to White Hot Lane To win in style, we've done it for a while It's better to aim playing high Then our football story will echo with glory